Okay. <clears throat> A long time ago, <clears throat> the Lord chose Abram. And he said, if you'll get up and go to a place that I'll show you, as Pastor Bobby has taught us, he'll give you land, seed, and a blessing. So <clears throat> from that little humble beginning, we Abraham did. He got up and went to the land of Canaan. Uh, they went down to to. Egypt, 70, a family of 70, 12 boys and their families. 400 years later, they came out a nation of 2 million. Came out a nation of 2 million, and, and they were in bondage down there, and an unlikely guy who had been raised in Pharaoh's court, Moses, he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. God did allow them to go. And they left, uh, they left Egypt and they started the Exodus. And in Exodus 19, we have the famous scripture that says, says, if you'll obey my laws and keep my commandments, I'll be your father and you will be my people and from that point on they said yes and from that point on um, the Jews have been God's special people through the years you know they were disobedient they grumbled in the wilderness they grumbled for those 40 years and yet their shoes didn't wear out they didn't miscarry God just took care of them and Joshua said every promise was met. <clears throat> but they continued to, to do what God told them to do. The very first commandment, he says, you will have no other gods before me. And yet they did. Time and time and time again, and God said, I've had enough. But it was a thousand years later. And he used... a wicked nation Babylon King Nebuchadnezzar and took them into captivity one of the people that they took into captivity was Daniel Daniel wrote a book that we've studied in here and Daniel said what was going to happen the Medes and the Persians defeated the, the Babylonians and God cursed them through the prophets you can't find Babylon today. It's in the sand out there where modern-day Iraq is. And yet it was a beautiful place at one time. Daniel also said, he says, there's going to be a goat, uh, Greece. And Greece grew, grew up into a powerful nation. And at the end of Malachi... We had 400 years that we don't have any direct revelation of the Lord. And that's the big time that Greece was there. Greeks, Greek, Greeks influence today. 
It was the language of the New Testament. The Greeks taught us to, th to think and to, and to uh, wanted to come to a conclusion. The Hebrews, the Jews, didn't have any problem with parallel thought, that God was sovereign and man had a free moral choice. The Jews didn't have any problem with that. The Greeks wanted to p push this to a conclusion that, that, that they would agree and we have problems. We call it putting God in a box sometimes. We want to come, we want to, come to a conclusion. For instance, um, a child uh, who doesn't, uh, who's, as we say, a, a word we use, the age of accountability, um, you know, what happens to them? And, and we want to put it in a box. God's sovereign. He can do what he wants to do. We say that children are safe. They're not saved, but they're safe. That's just us putting stuff in a box. God is sovereign. He can do what he wants to do. So the Romans took over about 100 years before we opened up the Gospels. And then we have four men that wrote Matthew. He was there. He was one of the 12. He wrote to the Jews, and we studied that a few, few months ago. We went through the book of Matthew. Luke. Uh, Luke was a commissioned work. A man called Theophilus said, Luke, collect the accounts. And he did, being, being who he was. And he had been with the Lord, I mean, with Peter in his missionary journeys but he researched it and he wrote the book of Luke and then Mark Mark wrote what Peter preached he was a, a young man and he John Mark was uh, went with him on some missionary journeys those three gospels we call the synoptic gospels we don't know which one was first some people say Mark was first some people say Matthew was first it doesn't matter, but they have a lot of the same things. This little sheet I have sent out about the miracles, there's 30-some-odd miracles in there, and most of them are in the Synoptic Gospels. John comes on the scene in the fullness of time, and as we've talked about there, he came on the scene knowing the three Gospels, and he wrote from his perspective being the very inner circle of Jesus. It was John that on the cross, Jesus says, take my mother home with you. And he did until she died. John was an old man when he wrote. He wrote the Gospels, the Epistles, and the book of Revelation. He was the last apostle to die. His brother James was the first to die. And we talked about that when we were in, in, uh, in the book of Acts. So, so we pick up today with some scripture that John, that John wrote. And he is teaching things that the other gospels didn't do. He, the only parable or the, the sign, the miracle, excuse me, that, that he did... Uh, that the other ones had 
was the feeding of the 5,000, and we've talked about that already. So when we pick up here, last week they were at the Festival of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacle, as it's called. And it's one of three f festivals that, that every male was supposed to go to Jerusalem and, and, and worship there. Uh, that it was a reminder that of what they came out from, how God provided for them uh, through the wilderness journey. It was also, it would compare to our Thanksgiving. It was that time of harvest, and, and it was a happy occasion. And Jesus went there. His brothers, as we talked about last week, want him to show himself. And what did Jesus say? My time has not come. And we'll see that again today. They were trying to push him into a situation, and he said, my time hadn't come. Because this was in the fall of the year, and we know Jesus wasn't crucified till the spring of the year at Passover. So, let's pick up here in John chapter 7, and we'll, <clears throat> we'll um, talk about this a little bit in Nicodemus. Um, he says, Our law does not judge a man unless he hears first from him and knows what he's doing. They answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? And searched and see that the prophet that there no prophet arise out of Galilee. We talked about that last week, and that there were some prophets that came from Galilee, but at this particular time the Jews <laughs> didn't want to push that. And then verse fifty three Everyone went to his home. Now, does anybody in any text you have does not have the first uh, 11 verses of, of John? Does anybody's text have that? John 8. John 8. Does anybody's Bible have a bracket or a footnote that says this wasn't in the original? Fine. <clears throat> now, Swindoll says that it probably, the better part, which says, uh, we'll begin in verse 1, but Jesus went to the mine of Olives. He says in verse 53 of the 7th chapter, everyone went to his home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach. Swindoll says you go from that to verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. That's what, that's what Swindoll says about this situation. But <clears throat> it's in our scripture, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover it because it's there. There's all kinds of things about it. Some people um, says that this was put in by a scribe at a, at a later time but the early manuscripts don't have it. You understand how that could happen. Um, and there were no copying machines back then, but they had these people who would write and would, would, would uh, put it in. And the oral tradition of, of Jews speaking to Jew, that happened during the 400 silent years. 
And they, they, that's when the oral tradition of the Jews really ramped up. Now, we have the first five books of the Bible. The Levit Leviticus is a primarily part of the law, but they added to it. You know, you could only walk so far on the Sabbath. You couldn't do any work on the Sabbath. We've talked about the Sabbath here. It's, a, it's legalism to the first order, you know, and how, how it has nothing to do with what Jesus was going to do. And last week we talked about him. He says, you have a, a boy that you want to circumcise, and if he pops up on, on the Sabbath day, it's okay to do it, but I can't heal anybody on the Sabbath. And Jesus says it's ludicrous. That's my words. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's the things that we do. Now, all these Pharisees and, and scribes and people, they've been schooled in the law. They've been schooled in what Moses had told them. And it, 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 they really took it to heart. They added the oral tradition to it, and they passed it down. And that was their religion. It was one of, of, um, of um, ritual. It was one of ceremony. It was a lot of different things. But Jesus came for a different reason. He came to show us how to live. And he came to show us that it wasn't the law that saved you. Paul said it was our schoolmaster to teach us these things. When you're reading through the Bible uh, <laughs> and you come to all of the sacrifices and the times Velt and I've gone through it, I come back and shake my head. Thank God I'm under grace. I couldn't keep that. And and it was a ugly, nasty, smelly thing, killing animals right and left. Yet God said it, and he wanted to prove a point, so to speak, our book of Hebrews, which we've also been through, told us that it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats that saved us, but it was the shed blood of Jesus once and for all. So when we pick up here, we have this story of the adulterous woman. So let's pick up uh, in chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. Well, as he was teaching, if you go with the narrative that we have here, the scribes and Pharisees, the, said, the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such woman. What do you say? Well, here you go again. They've been trying to catch him, been trying to teach him, uh, to make him stumble. 
And so in this particular case, they brought this woman there. All right, hold your finger there and go back to Exodus 20 and then go to Leviticus 20 also. Genesis, Exodus. And you know what chapter 20 of Exodus is. It's the Ten Commandments, as we, as we know. Okay, Exodus 20. We went through this when we went through Exodus. The Ten Commandments were not written to us, but they're for us. And Jesus amplified every commandment save one. Do you remember what we said about that? He didn't say anything about the Sabbath day. But every other one he expanded. The 14th verse of Exodus chapter 20. You shall not commit adultery. Now, adultery is defined as at least one married person in a consensual relationship. Okay. Now, let's go to Leviticus chapter 20. Exodus, Leviticus chapter 20. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 20. You with me? Chapter 20, verse 10. Verse 10. If there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. I mean, it's black and white. And Jesus said, I mean, um, um, Moses said, he says, you want to do this to nip things in the bud, as, as Barney Fife would say. You know, you, you, you don't want it to go any further. Now, go back to John 8. <clears throat> he says here, they have caught this woman in the act. Caught, excuse me, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. What did Leviticus say? Exactly. Where was the man? <laughs> As the old expression says, it takes two to tango, you know? You, and, and yet, this is a very masculine society here, you know? Women basically were chattel. Jesus was the first and the greatest and, and women's liver, if you want to uh, take it that far. You know, he elevated the role of women. He, he always did. So he says, this woman has been taken in the very act. Verse 5, now the law of Mo Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? And they were saying this, testing him. 
so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground. Have no idea what he wrote. Have no idea. Verse 7. But when he, they persisted in asking him, he straightened up. He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. This might have been added by a scribe, but it's exactly how Jesus would, would talk. A few Sundays ago, we were the Samaritan at Sychar, at Jacob's well, and the lady came there to drink, and Jesus knew and declared to her, you know, go get your husband. She says, I have none. He says, you're right. You've had five, and the one you're living with now is not yours. And yet Jesus didn't condemn her for her sin, but he says, I want to give you living water. And she left. She never did give him any water. She left and went on and, and uh, told the people of the town, come see this man that told me everything I did. Could he be the Messiah, the Christ? So we have here, he said, who... He who is without sin, let him throw the first stones. We've said this many, many times in here. The old little quip, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt you. And we've said that's a lie straight from hell. <laughs> words hurt. And you can recall them 40, 50, 60 years later what happened. He says, you that are without sin, throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again in verse 8 and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began going out one by one. Listen to this. Beginning with the older ones. Older and wiser, and they, they knew they had a lot of problems. They knew they had them. And he was left alone with a woman where she was in the center of the court. Verse 10, straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. Oh, the healing of what Jesus said. What did Jesus say in, in the 19th chapter of, of Matthew? He says, um, well, in, this, in the 19th chapter, which is, the big thing about divorce, uh, he says, he says it from the beginning it wasn't so, but Moses allowed you to, to write it, you know, and then in the Beatitudes in Matthew, 
chapter 5. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 5. This we know is the Sermon on, on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 verses uh, 27. You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. That's exactly what these people had accused this lady of. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The Ten Commandments says do not com commit adultery. Jesus said you don't even look at a woman with lust. You know where we are today. Okay, verse 12. Back to chapter 8. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Can you describe what happened to you at salvation? Can you describe how it changed you? We don't know. We can't put in the words sometimes. But as we know, we have this unspeakable joy. It doesn't mean we're hilariously laughing all the time, but we have the peace that only Jesus can give. In the midst of the storm, we have the light. And he's, he, he'll, we'll talk about this more. But he says here, if you, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of light. We've talked about the darkness. We've talked about how the Lord, <laughs> he sometimes doesn't give us any more light than we need for that time. We're going down a path. We've got a flashlight. We can't see. Well, maybe the new flashlights can see a long way, but normally you just see the, what you see in front of you. And that's the light we have. That's what the light we have. He says, you'll see the light of life. We'll have the light of life. Verse 13, so the Pharisees said to him, you're not testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. So here we go back again. These Pharisees. Now let's talk about the Pharisees a little bit. They had been schooled in the law that's all in the world that they knew 
this preacher comes to town and he says, that's okay, but listen to me. Put yourself in that boat. I mean, I don't change what I think very much, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I pretty much know what I know. <laughs> and if you don't agree with me, well, that's another thing. <laughs> and, and so these Pharisees, they, they were doing what they knew to do. That's all. And the law says... You can't testify about yourself. And Jesus goes into a situation here because he knew the law as he did. Jesus answered him, verse 14, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I'm not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone in it, but I am the Father who sent me. Even in your law, what Nicodemus was trying to tell him. It's been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So Jesus is basically turning the tables around on him. He says, I know where I came from. I know I'm true. The Father testifies of me. So they says, your testimony is not true, verse 13. And he says, it is true. Because I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. Verse 19, as they were saying to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you neither know me or my father if you knew me, you would know my Father also. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. Once you're saved, it puts a different perspective on everything. Uh, once you're saved and get in the book and start reading and studying and letting the Holy Spirit work within you, that's one of the blessings we have. And when we get later on in John, we're going to really delve into uh, the paraclete, the one that walks alongside, that teaches us all things. And, and he, said, he said here, he said, you don't know me. Because if you did, you would know the Father also. Uh, second part of the Trinity. We're going to learn about the third part of the Trinity. I cannot explain the Trinity, but I believe it. I believe it. That's by faith. Verse 20. 
These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. From the festival of booths, the feast of booths, we've talked about the pool of Bethesda where he healed the man there. And here he is in the treasury. And in your Bible, you can see a little uh, map about Jerusalem and the temple. And this was in the court of women where the treasury was. Swindoll says that it's like uh, <laughs> you take Carl Mills' trombone and, and just the bell, and you have a bunch of bells out there and there that went again <coughs> put it on the thank you yeah it, I pulled on something I shouldn't have it's mighty hot too yeah <laughs> okay thank you Jerry <clears throat> where was I oh in the treasury you know these they had these bell things you know you throw a coin and it goes around and around and finally goes where it was anyway he was in the treasury uh, when he spoke these words verse 21 then he said again to them I go away and you'll seek me you will die in your sin where I'm going you cannot go so the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself since, will he, since he says, where I'm going, you can't go. They were always trying to outguess him. And I'm, in my study, <laughs> I, I, I read these commentaries um, as a, this is a side note, but art years ago started uh, with Lagos uh, software. He has over a thousand commentaries on his computer. And he studies them. But, and, and it shows, because he teaches better than I do. But anyway, y you see it here. He says, uh, how can we improve what, what Jesus said sometimes? Like, like the old country preacher says, the Bible showed us through a lot of light on the commentaries, and that's kind of the way it is. <laughs> but they were saying to him, he says, uh, uh, what's gonna you're not going to kill yourself, will he? You remember what he said over in verse 35 of chapter 7? The Jews said to another one, where does this man intend to go that we can't find him? Is he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Is he? They were, they were speculating where he was going to go. But yet in the opening verses of the Gospel of John, he said he came to his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, 
you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Go back to John chapter 3. The, the, the encounter with Nicodemus and Jesus. And uh, we often quote uh, John 3.16 for it's a beautiful verse. But 17 and 18 says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He doesn't want anybody to perish. And that's what verse 18 says. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has, not, has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of of the only begotten Son of God. Real, heartfelt belief. Verse 25. So they were saying to him, Who are you? And that's, that was the classic thing that they kept coming back. Who are you? <laughs> Jesus says, what I've been saying to you from the beginning. What have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these things I speak. Verse 27, they did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Go back to verse 28. When you lift up the Son of Man, you know that I am He. Back to Nicodemus. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, as I am lifted up. History tells us that the cru crucifixion <laughs> it's an understatement, but the, the crucifixion was a marvelous time and it changed history. And all of a sudden, people realized that this Jesus who had been preaching and teaching for three years was exactly who he said he was. The soldier at the cross. Surely this is the Son of God. The sky got dark. The veil in the temple was written too. And all of a sudden, they knew Jesus was him, was who he said he was. His brothers from that point on believed in him. As we talked about last week, they didn't believe in him up until this point. And yet, Jude his brother Jude wrote the book of Jude. James wrote, wrote the book of James. James was the main 
guy after the resurrection there in Jerusalem. He wrote the letter to the Jerusalem council. He was very much in tune with what the Lord had said, but up until the cross, he didn't believe in him. He didn't believe in him. Verse 30, And he spoke many things, excuse me, these things, many came to believe in him. Let me read you what Swindoll says, and this is what we've talked about many times about what we know and, and do we really know. In Russia, an attendance at Sunday school picked out after the priest started handing out candy to the peasant children. So he was bribing the kids to come to Sunday school. One of the most faithful was a pug-nosed, pugnacious lad who recited scripture with proper piety, pocketing the reward, the candy, or the food, then fled into the fields to munch it. The priest took a liking to the boy, persuaded him to attend church school. By offering other inducements, the priest managed to teach the boy the four gospels. He won a special prize for learning all four Gospels by heart and reciting them nonstop in church. Sixty years later, the boys could still recite all four Gospels, word for word. Today, his soul is who knows where. His body lies cold in the ground under the marking bearing his name, Nikita Khrushchev. You need to know what you know. You need to know what you know. Well, we'll pick up next week with verse 31 and we'll go from there. Any questions? Any comments? Anything you want to add? Okay? All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for everything. We thank you for this time. We thank you for loving us.